Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's been an over-identification with the masculine for so many years. And I was raised in that culture. I mean, I, I started taking women's studies. I wrote my first paper in grade two on women in World War II because I was a little feminist, right? And, and I just had this strong feeling that I wanted to tell that story. I wanted to tell that side of the story. And so for women now, you know, I think it's really good to check out through one's own creative process or reading the book is like, where do you over-identify with the masculine and how does that affect the thinking and where does it present limiting thoughts where you say to yourself, I could never do that. I could never be that successful. I'm never going to make enough money. Um, I, I have to stay in this relationship because I won't, I won't survive on my own. Like all these things. Right. And, and that is the question that you know, I, I really, as I was writing this book and still, I'm like, okay, where are my feeding systems today that I actually don't believe in? Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death and the Space Between. I have sort of avoided the topic of the divine feminine for a while because Anything that for me feels like very um, Instagrammy or hot topicy, I kind of steer away from. But when I got today's um, author, when today's author Mara Branscombe's book came through, it really piqued my curiosity, and it felt like this would be an interesting way to talk about this notion of divine feminine, what it means, the archetype surrounding it. And so I followed my intuition and am really excited today to bring you Mara Branscombe. Mara is a mother, writer, yogi, artist, teacher, mindfulness leader, ceremonialist, and spiritual coach. And she is the author of two books, Ritual is Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care, and her new book, Sage, Huntress, Lover, Queen, Access Your Power and Creativity Through through sacred female archetypes. Welcome, Mara. Thank you for having me. So you heard, obviously, as I just did the intro, a little bit about my aversion to anything that becomes like very much the focus. 
of, you know, a new way of being, or I kind of am like, oh, what is that about? But I am curious about this notion of what it means, what this divine feminine, we talk about divine masculine as well, but divine feminine means in our current world. Great question. And I believe in our current world, the divine feminine is what allows us to draw inward, to connect to our intuition, to um, practice forms of what I call soul care. It is like, I feel the remedy to hustle culture in a way. It is this capacity, whatever gender you identify by, with, and in, it is this powerful, potent reminder that we can self-heal, self-guide, and nourish through all the changes, through all the cycles in our lives. Why do you feel like now, maybe it's because I'm paying more attention to it, but it does feel like there has been such a colossal shift towards focusing on the divine feminine. What do you think it is about this time, this place, this, this place in our time, does that make sense? Um, now that, that is calling for this so strongly. I believe there was quite a shift that happened pre-pandemic, during the t- pandemic, and now post. And it, it was, uh, there was a lot about, um, equality. Uh, there was a lot about, um, you know, justice. There was a lot about, um, you know, through the Black Lives Movement matter, through, um, you know, how do we take care of ourselves in a global pandemic? Um, and all of these things surfacing, you know, the patriarchy surfacing, the capitalism surfacing. It's like all of a sudden, in, in my experience anyway, what I witnessed around the world is like, it was this platter of all of these imbalances coming forward for us to go, hmm, what do I believe in? And if I have the power to self-guide and self-heal through these techniques, then, you know, what do I, what do I want to believe in? What do I want to practice? How do I want to embrace, you know, the true essence of who I am? So I feel that a lot of those energies are directed by a feminine energy, similar to Mother Earth, you would say, and how resourceful and resilient and abundant she is. And that's really how I see it is that we were just given the information that we needed to receive in order to um, really start to discern what is working and what isn't and how do I want to live my life and how do I no longer want to live my life. And when you talk about soul care, How do you define soul care as different from self-care? Self-care is more around, oh, I'm going to book a massage. I'm going to get a pedicure. I'm going to get a manicure. I'm going to um, have a girl's weekend. Soul care for me is when it's more Mm self-directed. Soul care is getting on your meditation cushion every morning, um, you know, turning your devices off uh, an hour before to go, you go to bed. So for me, it's more self-directed. And because it's self-directed, we rise to that occasion. We, we show up, we rise to the occasion and we, we, we start to get into our own soul a little bit more. We get to go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. So it's really about things that take you deeper into your own soul is self, 
is soul care, whereas self-care, I think of it sort of as like how you're talking about it, like the personality versus like the soul. Like self-care is more about the personality and soul care is more about the soul. That's a great way to put it. And I believe that we're here on this planet to evolve and to go deeper within our own soul. Mm -hmm. And everyone will have a different way to do that. And really it is about finding your way that lights you up, that inspires you to go there. So can you give us a brief overview of the seven archetypes and how, how you kind of came to them and um, how, how, you, how, they def how they're defined? Okay. So I have been working for years and years and years doing women's work, doing ceremonial work. And what I discovered was that there was these patterns that are archetypes that now archetypes, they're not stereotypes. So I want your audience. I want us to unpack this right away because at first it, you'll be like, Oh, I'm more like the huntress. And then no, I can't stand the maiden. And so kind of, you know, where I'm trying to get away from the stereotype of the archetype. So if you can mm -hmm. hear, as I'm describing it, just with like really fresh ears, because archetypes are, they're formulas, they're codes. They live both in our conscious and our unconscious. And I work a lot with the shadow of each archetype so that, you know, through my work with, you know, thousands of people over the years to do to in the coaching and the healing work that I do, I discovered a lot of similar stories that were repeating themselves when clients would come. And so as I received this download to write this book, which was very powerful in itself, I started writing poetry. So I, I wrote a poem a day for 30 days. I printed them out. I put them all over my living room floor. And then I thought, oh, there's the maiden, there's the mother, there's the huntress, etc. So what I found was these codes just through writing the prayers and the blessings. And so that then gave me the lift off to write, you know, and to live each, each archetype. I lived myself for two whole months, at least doing meditations, doing visualizations, doing movement, uh, prose, poetry, all connected to that archetype. So I tried it out on myself to see, you know, what was going on. So for example, the maiden is, you know, we would think of the maiden as, you know, the, the, the young one, the, the teenager we were coming into, you know, coming of age into ad adulthood. Yet the maiden can be accessed just like all of these archetypes at any time of your life. So it's not limited and it's not, um, sequential. Okay. But the okay. maiden, yeah, the maiden represents that zhuzh, that passion, that adventurous spirit. The shadow of the maiden, however, is, um, naivete, being naive, living in illusion. Um, and, and so that's an example of the maiden. Then we move to the mother and the mother of course is the creator, the mother of not, um, so it's not specific to children. It's the mother of, you know, your passions, the mother of your projects, your businesses, your, um, and the shadow of the mother archetype is living in the victim or the martyr story. Mm -hmm. I am never this. I am always that. So it's very healing. Everybody when always we need from me. I never have time for myself. There's no space for me. I'm giving to everybody. 
you'll hear that again and again. I can identify with that. Me too. And I have to remind myself. And I received that story through my family of origin, you see. So, so when we do this work, we start to have these like deep, like, aha, I'm fatiguing myself. If I'm always thinking, I'm always the one doing the work. No one is ever going to support me. I'm actually mm-hmm. pushing that support away. So mm-hmm. the work mm-hmm. then, you know, is to unpack, well, why does that story exist in you and how can you shift it? And then we work with the sage and the sage is the elder wisdom. And again, you know, the sage wisdom is ready for us at any time. It's the intuitive energy within. So it's, it's that capacity to connect with your intuition and the shadow of the sage would be, you know, your, um, like a constant busyness so that you actually never hear the inner voice. You never make time to actually connect with what your intuition is saying to you. And then we move on to the huntress and the huntress is like the activist and the, the, the one who, you know, fights the good fight for humanity volunteers time or puts the the work into, you know, the passionate causes and the shadow of the huntress would be hardening, um, working too hard, um, uh, you know, never, um, never resting. So that kind of hardening, wearing the armor of the warrior, burning out, maybe feeling like you can't, like, how can you possibly ever solve all the problems of the world and that it's all on you? Exactly. So that is, that's, you know, that's real for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Right there. And so, you know, the, the, the book gives all sorts of examples also on how to remedy that, like visualizations, meditations, and, and rituals actually to, to go, okay, well, let's work with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then from the huntress, we move on to the lover and the lover is, you know, the sensual one. And it's, the lover is around not just being in a partnership or a relationship, but it's really about getting intimate with oneself, with one's vulnerability, with one's capacity to expand compassion and forgiveness. And that's big. And, you know, the shadow of the, of the lover would be um, the living a, an overly dramatic life. Everything's dramatic. When everything's dramatic, it's hard to create space for compassion and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then we move on to the mystic and the mystic is the, the one who's working on, you know, spiritual development, uh, mindfulness, and this can take many forms, whatever your interest and practice is. And the mystics, you know, shadow would be more around, um, not being grounded in one's spirituality, like always living in the light or, or, you know, not wanting to look at the darkness. And so the darkness is a very powerful aspect to all of these archetypes. And I believe to our life Mm -hmm. that when we can, you know, come to terms (laughs) and sit in the darkness in comfort, um, we're already more balanced. We're already more whole. And then, you know, we work with the queen and the queen is, um, the, the one who can lead, from an evolutionary lens. So not from the, like the capitalistic or patriarchal or colonial lens, but working on this, like, okay, the good of humanity and, and, and the current contemporary climate and leading from that place. And for example, the shadow of the queen would be, um, getting caught up in perfectionist tendencies 
and not actually ever putting one's work out into the world or one's, one's ideas because the fear of failure or, or judgment. So there's a little uh, taste of the archetypes. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Who is the thinking that we all, because I can I could identify with all of the archetypes. Yes. Is it that we, I mean, as you did this work and you sort of parse things out, it sounds like these were the, the archetypes that came forward for you as you were doing this little investigation. We all have parts of these archetypes and parts of the shadows of them. Do we, are we more one archetype? Is the goal to embody one or is the goal to embody parts of all of them and also embrace the shadow of all of them. I'm just trying to understand what this looks like. Mm -hmm. The goal is to, first of all, become aware of all of them Mm -hmm. and, and their shadow work. And then to understand that we are a new person every day we wake in the world and we will go through many changes. We will, we will go through grief. We will go through loss. We will go through chaos. We will go through beauty and deep love. And so it is that, yes, you may right away identify with one more. And however, I feel the work is to um, really have a pulse on all of them so that you can understand at any given time, oh, I'm, I see where I'm, I'm at. I'm living in the shadow of the mystic right now. Um, and I, I, that's palpable to me because I keep saying to myself, I'm going to start my meditation practice this week, but I'm not getting there. And so it's a way to like, it's a way to keep yourself so steady and present to what is currently happening in one's life. And, you know, some of you, some of the readers and some of the clients that I've worked with, and they've, you know, really received a deep healing, let's say around the mother archetype. Um, I have a client who, who didn't have children and, and wanted to, and then she's now come to this beautiful energy around mothering herself around mothering all the projects and, and things in her life. And like, there was a deep healing 
And so that part needed to be worked on. And perhaps then, you know, she might move on into the sage um, because she's healed a certain part of herself. So are we working to heal the shadow part of ourselves in this to be more light? Or are we working to integrate both pieces? We're working to integrate both pieces, I believe. I, I think it's a great question. And I believe that, you know, if... Okay, if you if we're constantly repressing the shadow, right? We're pushing it down. We're pushing it away. That brings up illness. It brings up stress, anxiety. Uh, it's a pandemic in our culture. Stress is a pandemic in our culture, and it is often. And I can speak to this myself. That you know, that the pushing down, the not wanting to deal with it, uh, just oh, maybe it'll pass. You know, all that stuff is you know it it, it is real. It, this is our human nature. You know, and it is that the struggle in the human condition is real. And if we can, and this would be my one piece of counsel, and I, this is what I work on within myself, is to really work with what is moving through you, what is present right now in your life. And that's where you start. So, you know, if I'm at this stage of my life and this is what's happening this is what I have to work with right now. And I want to direct my attention there first. And then I believe I will be guided to the next places. Uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm always thinking about how my day then informs my podcasts. And this morning I was sort of chuckling to myself as I was working out at the gym that the range of feelings that one has throughout the course of the day, if you just tune into them, is is like the range of feelings of the over the course of a lifetime sometimes like you wake up one way something happens you feel something else then something else happens and you feel something else you're like constantly having these experiences all of which are both light positive and negative light and darkness however you want to talk about it and then it becomes okay how do you then embody this and you talk a lot about embodiment. So what what does that then look like? What is it? Another word that I feel like is being used a lot now is, and my old um, coach slash, I called her my soul mama who oh. died a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. was an embodiment coach before embodiment was even like another big word. So what does that mean to you to embody something? So around embodiment, it is my belief is that it goes just from the thinking mind and it goes into the feeling realm within not just the emotions, because of course we know our emotions are so tricky as are our thoughts, you know, as part of how our ego gets formed and what our ego attaches itself to for safety, for survival, for surviving those days, you know? Um, and it, what I always love to work with in my morning meditation and what I coach people to do is to allow yourself to get neutral at the center of your body. What is it? What does it feel like to be neutral? What does it feel like to breathe right into the center of your body in your morning meditation? Simply not to uh, seek anything, but simply just to allow consciousness to reside at the center of the body. To me, that's a great first step in becoming embodied. So can you break that down for us even more to allow consciousness, which is a bit of an esoteric word 
to reside in the body. So what does that, for people who don't understand, what would mm -hmm. that look like? What would that feel like okay, to allow great. your consciousness to reside in the middle of your body? So it would look like this. Let's say my mind is spinning with thoughts and I have a huge day coming and I'm a bit on the hamster wheel of my thoughts and I'm actually predicting all the worst case scenarios. I think that everyone can kind of relate to that. What if this happens? When, what if that happens? And I have to go here. So then in that moment, I would ask myself to pause, to take a few deep breaths and to remind myself that I'm not my thoughts actually that I don't have to be my thoughts and that I can just pause and focus on, I, I focus on um, like a, a beam of sunlight right at the center of my body. And I, I give myself that task because it helps me get out of my random thoughts or that firing mode of thoughts, which is stress essentially and um, an overamped kind of nervous system. And so then I just ask for, and another way to do, I ask for my, my energy to move or your consciousness, energy, consciousness, uh, the golden sun to move to the center of my body. And just to take a few moments to not have to figure anything out. And that, even that the nervous system goes, and I might focus more on a deep exhale. And, and then again, the nervous system is going to come more into regulation. So that's what I mean. And it is, you know, it is esoteric in a way and it is experiential and it is very unique to every individual. So we all have to find our ways where we can move from an overthinking energy in the mind to um, inhabiting the center of our body with a positive um, affirmation or color or symbol. What other types of, I know you talk in your first book about rituals, what other types of embodiment practices are there? Well, meditation, yoga. I'm a runner. I, I, I call them my, my spirit runs. So I go in the forest and run. Or I don't use AirPods. I don't listen to podcasts while I run. I, it's a very clear, no, I need, I'm with myself. Um, and so I work on my mindfulness there. Um, anything, dancing, my goodness, swimming, like anything can be, um, any creative act when it's done with intention. And what I always love to say, and I say it a lot in the ritual book, and I repeat it in the, the female archetypes book is set your intention, release the outcome. That's a great mantra. Set your intention, release the outcome. Cause we're, so that to me is exactly the the yin and the yang, the feminine, masculine archetypes in one. Yes. That your intention feels the feminine, release the outcome feels like the masculine, letting go of the masculine. That's it. And I think that, you know, if I can speak to full circle to my, my reason, my inspiration to write this book, Sage Huntress Lover Queen, it is as a response to the culture that we live in that is rooted in capitalism and patriarchy that focuses entirely on the outcome. And so my response is, well, let's, let's work with the feminine. Let's get more intentional. I'd like to see high powered male CEOs becoming more intentional and embodying their feminine so that they are looking out for their people in a way that is 
compassionate in a way that is embodied in a way that is grounded and intuitive. Where is there a place for both? And what do you envision that would look like? I'm talking divine masculine and divine. Is is the masculine considered divine as well? Like what makes it divine feminism versus just I think yeah, I think it I think it's divine when it's intentional and it's clear and it's pure and and then masculine has got a real bad rap over the years because mm-hmm. I mean it's no it's no, it's not men's fault that the patriarchal culture ruled the you know the world for for so many years it's it's not it's not blame it's that it is it became a paradigm there are paradigms that and cultural systems that put in place that then informed economic and political systems and we could go on and on about that and i mean what, when i think about just raising children today i just finished a book called never enough which is parenting in the toxic achievement culture it's like how did that happen where it became about being you know want, i mean it, it's just the trickle down impact of it is so powerful so powerful. And we get to utilize that power in our culture today because it is more and more open. It is more receptive. And so I do believe we can be both. And I see when I see a leader or an artist or a creator or a human in front of me that is it that has both the sacred um, feminine and the sacred masculine within them. What I see is a clear channel of beauty, of compassion, of inner strength, of um, gentleness, of all of those things. It's like, it, it feels like, ah, oh, that is beautiful. That is a human that is embodied, that is, you know, um, inspiring the world. And that's, what I, you know, aspire to myself. So is there a place when we talk about in sort of this capitalist society, is there a place for women or should they be embracing more the divine masculine or do, is the sense that women typically have been embracing that so much because of the overarching culture that they, they too need to find their way back to the divine feminine. Well, here's the thing. And, and this, I could speak to my, my own experience is that I feel that, um, there's been an over-identification with the masculine for so many years. And I was raised in that culture. I mean, I, I started taking women's studies. I wrote my first paper in grade two on women in world war two, because I was a little feminist. Right. And, and I just had this strong feeling that, I wanted to tell that story. I wanted to tell that side of the story. And so for women now, you know, I think it's really good to check out through one's own creative process or reading the book is like, where do you over identify with the masculine and how does that affect the thinking? And where does it present limiting thoughts where you say to yourself, I could never do that. I could never be that successful. I'm never going to make enough money. Um, I, I have to stay in this relationship because I won't, I won't survive on my own. Like all these things. Right. And, and that is the question that, you know, I, I really, as I was writing this book and still, I'm like, okay, where are my feeding systems today that I actually don't believe in? It's interesting because as you're talking, I'm just sort of chuckling to myself. I'll, I'll come around to how this makes sense. But 
it, once you become aware of it, you start to notice it in so many places. Like this is a silly example, but I'm going to go with it. So I play, I've recently started playing pickleball. Yes. And I grew up, it's actually kind of a funny story. I grew up playing tennis, so I have a sense for racket sports. And like the rest of the world, I've gotten into the pickleball craze. And where I play, you rack up, and you can rack on an intermediate or an advanced. Beginner, intermediate, advanced. Guess who's all on the advanced side? All men. This is not a knock on men. I'm raising two boys. I'm very conscious of what that looks like. But it's so interesting because some of them are very not advanced. <laughs> and the women, some of the intermediate women, are, could play advanced. And it's just so interesting to watch these systems play out in so much of what we do and how we identify ourselves as capable or incapable mm -hmm. because we have been told We've been defined by like, this means this and this means that and never the two shall cross. And I think as women, we, we embody that belief system in so many ways. Like if I'm told I'm intermediate because I only have these skills, I'm not even going to put myself over there. And I think this plays out in jobs. It plays out in boardrooms. It plays out on the pickleball court. But it was just, I put myself on the advanced court just for those yeah. who are curious. Yeah. That's um, right. And held my own for sure. But I then bet I you interestingly did. had a whole conversation with this other woman because we were both like, these guys are not advanced. And yet they're like so sure of themselves that they are. And it's just fascinating to watch the archetypes unfold. The moral of this is, is when you start paying attention, you're like, whoa. They're everywhere. It's a great story. What you just said, it's so tangible and it's so palpable in our, in our culture. And I think being a witness to that, you know, um, it, being witness and, and seeing it alive allows you even more to embody and integrate, you know, again, your own beliefs and, and, um, how, you know, the being the witness allows us to steady ourselves from within and to then eventually activate um, and act on that. And I'm so happy you put yourself on that advanced, you know, side. But then am I, am I embracing the more masculine or am I stepping into my own feminine intuition of trusting I oh, I, th I, that's what I think. I think you, mm -hmm. you, you know, I mean, and, and you have the experience you grew up with racket sports. Of course you're, you're already there. It's not like you're, you know, trying to, you know, do something like that's the thing. That's where the shadow plays out is like some of these people that put themselves on the advance and they're not there, but they, their ego just makes them go there, you know, because, and it, <laughs> And it's interesting. I mean, oh gosh, there's going to be many books about pickleball, I'd say. And <laughs> <laughs> well, and the story continues. So this guy was overhearing me talking to someone because they were like, oh, when did you, when did you start? And I'm, I'm new. I just picked it up this summer. So I was like, oh, I've been playing for a month. Um, and he came over and said, you know where this is going. I can see it on your face. He said, I think your racket's on the wrong side. This, that's for the advanced players. This is intermediate over here. Because he heard me say I had only been playing for a month. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oof. Oh. 
Yeah. And, you know, in, in these stories, it's just amazing, especially in the, a little bit of the older demographic, you're going to see that more and more and more. This was and, a young guy too. Oh. He was not an older, the old, I have to say the older demographic has been much more welcoming of, of hmm. me as a woman on the court. Interesting. It's, it's fascinating. Been, it's, it's a fascinating. fascinating place to watch how dynamics play out because yes. it's like, I mean, I think anything like this becomes like microcosms of the world, right? And so you watch it and you're like, whoa. But there was something about this experience that was so divisive in that way mm -hmm. of like what it means to be masculine, what it means to be feminine, what it means mm -hmm. to like believe in yourself and feel like you can do something and have someone tell you, yeah, I think you're in the wrong place. Like, who do you think you are? And by the way, he was way worse than I was. Um, <laughs> but oh I guess my. that's just my masculinity coming out here. Yeah, that's your your true power, though. I mean, that this is the thing. It's like we don't we don't want to hold that back, but we want to be clear in our in intention as we release the outcome. And, and then I guess how we get away from like labeling it as bad, good, positive, negative, like. Yeah. And once we have the information, we also, this is the thing, and this is what I found incredibly healing through personally writing the book and then sharing it with others is that we become more compassionate human beings because we can see the narrative playing out as it's playing out. And you can understand perhaps with your knowledge and all of your background is that, okay, well that, you know, that guy was, you know, handed that story for sure. He, you know, or whatever in his life. And maybe it's part of his life work now is, you know, to see you and your power on the advanced side. And so, mm -hmm. you know, without adding ego in, but we can almost be the witness to the movie as it plays out. And, and, in that we get less, um, fatigued. I, I have found that a lot, like even working in, in my, you know, relationship with my husband and with my children, after I did this deep dive study of the archetypes, I could say, Oh, I, I just had a little bit more of a pulse on the shadow and, and I could have compassion and just say, okay, that shadow just needs a bit of space right now. It needs to play itself out. It needs to be expressed. Um, and how can I support my children, even as that my, cause I'm raising two girls as they're, you know, how can I support them as they're moving through some of their shadow work? Because we all have it on a daily basis, as you said, mm -hmm. circling back to the very beginning of our conversation, when you're like, what we go through daily is like also what we go through in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's very wild. So if there was one thing you could leave us with today to take from this discussion, I feel that what I'd like to share is that all of the events in one's life inform the wholeness and the full expression of who we are and who we can be and that no time is lost and that it's never too late to begin again or to start something new. And that one last thing is that some sort of daily reflective mindful practice is the remedy to our times. And with that, I'm going to go meditate. I did not yet today. I'm feeling the pull very strongly. Um, if people are interested, Mara, in your work, what you're doing, your book, where can they find you? Uh, my name, maraBranscombe.com. 
it will lead you to all the things. Thank you so much, Mara, for your time today and for enlightening me to the divine feminine, these Mm -hmm. archetypes and everything in between. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.